Wow, okay, now it's good morning, Wellspring Church. Excited to be here. Now listen, before we go any further, I have a confession to make. Um, I have a confession to make in front of this church. Um, It's honest, it's real, and I'd rather not have to do this, but it's important. And it's this, um, I am a loser. Now wait, let me clarify. I need to clarify. Don't, I don't need a hug or anything. Please don't. Please don't come do that. But in the Wilson household, we have titles. You see, Heather is known in the Wilson household as a finder, and I am known as a loser, and that's because I lose everything. If it can be lost, I have lost it. Keys, wallet, socks, shoes, um, wedding rings. This is my fourth wedding ring. Like, if it can be lost, I have lost it. I remember uh, early in the church, uh, uh, Wellspring, um, we were getting in the planning process and someone had donated a rather large check to the church. It was, I mean, it was an exciting moment. It was a cool moment. I didn't grow with money. And when I looked at this check, I was like, wow, this is like crazy. And so we're at a meeting like early in the week and Jason said, listen, I don't want to be accountable for this. I don't want to be responsible for this. Graham, can you hold on to this check? (laughs) Sure. I mean, let's go. And so I hold on to the check and then Friday comes around and Jason calls me and says, Graham, I just want to let you know that the treasurer person is going to be at church on Sunday. Um, Make sure you bring the check with you so they can deposit it into the bank. And I said, what? He's like, the check, you know, like the big check, like, please make sure you bring the, the check. And I was like, you didn't give me the check. And Jason's like, bro, like I gave you, it's big, you know, like the big check. And, and so I just start and he's like, okay, let's walk through the scene. Like I hand it to you here. Like this was the setting. And you know, when you start remembering something and as you're remembering, there's a pit in your stomach forming. So that is happening, and immediately I'm realizing I have no idea where this check is. So Heather and I go into search mode, search and rescue mode. Like we're searching and searching for this check, and and we finally found it. It was in an old laptop bag. I have no idea why it was there, but immediately when we found this check, it was a party. It was a celebration. I remember calling Jason. I'm like, Jason, we found the check. He's like, oh, thank goodness we didn't have to call the guy and I had to look like an idiot. Like, thank goodness. When you find something of great value, it demands a celebration. When you find something of great value, it demands a party. And this is something I want you to know this morning is that Jesus finds great value in you. But a question we're going to have to wrestle with today is, will you accept his invitation to the party? Or maybe I'll say it like this, will you accept the invitation that God has for you to help others come to the party? Today we are closing out our series titled Lost and Found, and we've been looking at key passages in the Bible that talk about the search and rescue mission that Jesus is on for you and I. Jesus is on a mission to see dead things become alive again and to see lost things become found. And with every victory, there demands a celebration, there demands a party. 
So today we're going to be in Luke 15, and we're going to look at an incredible, famous passage of Scripture. And, and if you're in the church world, you've probably heard of this passage. It's called the prodigal son. But here's what I want to challenge us with today is I think that's a really bad name for that story. Because the better name for that story is, is the prodigal sons. And Jesus shares a story to teach a powerful lesson of the depths that our sin can bring us, but how powerful his grace and love truly is. So I don't know what you came in here with this morning, but if you are in need of a dose of hope today, then you picked no better Sunday to come to church because you are going to hear and experience some hope. So again, we're going to start in Luke 15, if you want to follow along, and we're going to kick off in verse 11, and it starts off like this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story, and I want to pause right there, and I want to set the scene. If you were here last week, Jason preached the previous verses and did an awesome job, but here's what's happening. This chapter kicks off with Jesus at a table with sinners and tax collectors, and these were people that were living their life, their sin outwardly. They were known for their sin in their community, and this is who Jesus was hanging out with. And then you had tax collectors. Tax collectors has no, like, we, we don't think about that today, but these were people that were known as traitors, betrayers. These were Jewish people that were taking money from other Jewish people and then taking some from themselves and, and giving to the Romans. Like, like, have you ever had anyone betray you? Have you ever had anyone do that or be a traitor in your life? That's who Jesus is sitting with. That's who Jesus is deciding to have like half apps with. And as they're hanging out and they're having fun, a group of religious leaders show up. Pastors like me, ministry leaders. And they say, Jesus, don't, don't you know who you're hanging out with? Like, you're, you're rolling with not the crowd you should be rolling with. Like, this is like a mean girl's moment. If you've ever seen the movie, like, like the cool kids roll up to the table and like, you're not sitting at the right table in the cafeteria, Jesus. Like, do you know who you're spending time with? Well, Jesus knew exactly who he was spending time with because, again, Jesus is in the business of seeing dead things become alive again and seeing lost things become Found And Jesus is about to teach us a powerful lesson to both the sinner and the teacher. So let's see what Jesus has to say. The story continues. So a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the, your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all of his money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. I want to walk through this a little bit. First, we see uh, the younger son want his share of the estate now. Now, even in our context today, like this is pretty offensive. 
Like, like this is like, you know, if you did this in today's setting, there would probably be some questions like, man, that's a little rude. Like, you know, all these things. But in, in the context of when this was written, this wasn't like rude. This was offensive because culturally this only would happen if a father died. So what's basically happening, what the son is communicating here is, dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want you anymore. I just want your stuff. You see, Dad, I got big dreams and I got big plans and you are not a part of them. I wonder if you and I have ever put our Heavenly Father in a position like that. God, I want your provision. God, I want your protection. I want your blessing, I want your anointing, I want all of the things that you provide, but I don't want you. God, I want all of the stuff, but I don't want the relationship. I don't want to go any deeper than that. God, I don't want you. Now, I also want to discuss the timing of this. Um, you see, selling property was not like a, like a fast process. The dad had to go to a, a th through a process of like selling his property, and I'm sure there were some awkward family dinners in the meantime. And the dad had to go around and, and ask people, hey, can, can I sell you my estate, uh, my, my, my son? And, and I'm sure there were questions. John, 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 why, why are you selling your estate? You're so young. Like, you got the two boys. Like, what's going on? And the father had to take on the shame of saying, listen, I, I have to sell my estate. I have to split it between my sons because my younger son doesn't want me anymore. But then the sale was done, the deed is done, and, and the father divides his estate between his two sons. And, and the younger brother walks off with big dreams and, and big aspirations. But here's the deal. When we have big dreams and big goals... When they are outside of the Father, they will always land in destruction. The text says that he squandered all of his wealth on wild living. And, and here's the deal. Most of us don't plan to go off the deep end, do we? Like when we have plans like this, like we don't plan on just like going off the deep end and going. But this is what sin does. Sin justifies since puts us in a place of, well, listen, I'm under control. Like I got my things and I got my plans and I got all these things. And, and if it's just one more click, if it's just one more hit, if it's just one more shot, if it's just one more unforgiven person, if it's just one more gossip conversation, we take step after step after step. No, I'm under control. It's all good. I got it. I got it. And we take a step, and we take a step. And then all of a sudden, we turn around and say, man, how did I get this far? Man, I thought I had this under control, and now I'm looking back, and I'm so far away from the things that I thought I cared about. I'm so far away from my relationship with God. I'm so far away from my family and friends. But this is what sin does, because sin will always cost you more than you're willing to pay. It will keep you longer than you want to say, and it will take you further than you want to go. Some of you have heard my story. I've shared a little bit about it before, but when I was in my early 20s, I went through a, a phase. I don't know. Is that what, you know, that's what the kids call it these days? And we were, Heather and I were dating for a little bit, and 
you know, I got into that phase of like big, big dreams and big goals, and I got a little itchy, and I wanted to experience, you know, other things. I had did the Christian thing for a while, and and I had voices around me that were just speaking into my life that were not godly. They were not a, a community that was encouraging to my faith. And, and so what I end up doing is I end up breaking up with Heather. I said I wanted, you know, a, a taste of something new, something different. And then I, I remember looking at my life over the course of the year, and it started off great. Right? I had some fun. I did some things. And And all of a sudden, uh, step after step after step, I just continue to lose more and more and more. And and I remember taking a moment, and I remember sitting in my empty apartment one night, just reflecting, reflecting in all that I'd lost. And this wasn't the plan, you know. I didn't plan to lose ministry opportunity. I didn't plan to lose the woman that loved me. I didn't plan to lose friendships. I didn't plan to have an empty bank account because of poor decisions. And, and I remember sitting down and just reflecting of everything I had lost. And that's similar to the, the younger brother in this story. We, we end this portion with the younger brother sitting in a pig pen, reflecting over his life and reflecting about all the things that he had lost and And maybe today you are similar to the younger brother. Maybe you're in a place of saying, man, I don't know how I got here, but I'm so distant from God. I remember my faith the way it used to be, and it was so vibrant. And when I read scripture, it just came off the page. But but step after step after step, I'm just feeling so distant. And there's this sin in my life that I just keep feeding. And I'm just growing, and and I'm growing, and I'm, I'm going further and further and further. Or maybe today, you haven't even gotten to the place where you know the Father. But here's what I want you to know. Is that God loves you, that He values you, and that He went to the cross for you. But here's another word of warning. Um, You know those sinful actions? Well, they don't start with sinful actions. They normally start with sinful thinking. Uh, That younger brother, I promise you, did not make that decision overnight because I didn't make my decision overnight. What I began doing is I began rehearsing things in my head like, man, the, the grass is greener over there. You know, I'm just I'm just dissatisfied with my relationships and I'm just dissatisfied with my marriage, and I'm just dissatisfied with my job and my friendships and my church family and, and the Bible study I'm a part of. Like, I'm just increasingly dissatisfied, and I'm, and I'm comparing, and, and the grass is just so much greener over there. And what, start, what we'd start doing is we start dra- daydreaming of a sinful life instead of a holy life. And Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if we start having sinful thinking, we need to pause and say, Man, am I getting too far away from the Father? It's never too late. So let's see where the younger brother ends up. We see him sitting in a pig pen, reflecting over his life. So what happens next? We kick off in verse 17, and it says, Well, he finally came to a census. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have 
food enough to spare, and I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father came and saw him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him, and said to his and he, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe of the house and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger, the sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that was fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. And so the party began. This is such a powerful text. First, we see the younger brother do something so powerful. He came to his senses. He came to a place where he was looking at his life and he took time to reflect. And he did things in the proper order. As he was taking inventory of his life, he said, man, I have sinned against God first and I have sinned against those around me. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't start playing the blame game like, well, man, if, if so-and-so didn't do that or if I wasn't hanging out with so-and-so, like I would have done the right thing. No, he takes ownership. And he confesses and says, God, man, I blew it, God. And man, I blew it with my dad. And, and you see, God doesn't put us in low places, but oftentimes God will allow us to be in low places because it gives us an opportunity to look in the mirror. And that younger brother took time to reflect of who he was and what he lost and, and what his father and who his father was. And I remember doing the same thing. I remember being in that empty apartment and looking in the mirror and reflecting of everything I had lost and everything I had to gain if I just surrendered and saying, I'm done doing this on my own, but I just need Jesus. And, and so began a process of saying, God, I sinned against you and I've sinned against those around me. And it began a rebuilding process. And some of us need to be in that place right now. Because here's what I want to challenge you with. It is never too late to turn back to God. Why? Because the Father is waiting. Not only is the Father waiting, He's patiently waiting. And this is what I find so compelling. The Father was sitting on the road waiting for His Son. I imagine it a little bit like this. The father every day, looking down the road, looking for his son. And I imagine the service, servants around him and the older brother saying, why are you wasting your time? Don't you remember how he hurt you? Don't you remember all the things he had done to you? And, and why are you wasting your time looking? And the father said, no. No, I love my boy. I'm waiting. I'm watching. I love him. And day after day, I'm waiting and I'm watching for my son. I'm waiting and watching for my daughter. And then one day, as that father is watching, he sees something. <gasps> I think that's my boy. I think that's my boy, the, the one who hurt me, 
the one who didn't want anything to do with me, I see my boy. And the father does something so incredible, he runs. This, like, this sounds really exciting, like it's a Hallmark movie, but culturally, this was like a no-go. Jewish men did not run. This was like embarrassing. This was disgraceful. But again, the father was willing to disgrace himself to show love to his son. And so that father ran to his son and embraced him and says, I love you. I care about you. I have grace for you. And the younger son immediately goes into his rehearsed forgiveness speech. We've all been there. This is what I'm going to say. And the younger son starts, hey, God, uh, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And the father says, no, no, shh, 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 shh. You're home. I've been waiting for you. There wasn't a step-by-step process. There wasn't, well, you need to start regaining trust like I've been waiting for you. No, immediately there was restoration. Immediately that son was brought back into the family saying, I've been waiting for you. I'm so glad you're here. And that's the same for you and I. If we're someone today that feels so far from God and we probably walked into this building going, I'm I'm embarrassed to be here. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? Is God going to burn the church down with just me being in the space? No, God is sitting and he's watching and he's waiting because he loves you and he has grace for you. That's the God we serve. That's the God that loves us. And God does the same for us as he did for that younger son. Well, let's continue because now there's, again, two sons. Let's see what the older brother is doing. Meanwhile, it says in verse 25, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants, what, what, what's going on? And he said, your brother's back. He, he, was told, uh, he, he was told, and his father killed the fatted calf in a celebration because of a safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, all these years I have slaved for you. You never once refused, I never once refused to do any single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast or my friends. Yet when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money with prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. And his father said to him, look to your son. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. And we had a celebration for this happy day, for your brother was dead, and now has come back to life. He was lost, and now is found. We see the father celebrating his younger son coming back. Their party's already gotten started, right? The house is thumping. We have Mindy on the keys being the ambience maker. We have Eric slapping the bass. Like, there's a worship party happening in the house, And the older brother comes walking up and sees all the commotion and the excitement and and slowly that smile begins to fade because he realizes what happened. and, And just as that younger brother was reflecting, that older brother is now reflecting because there's a party happening and the older brother is sitting on the edge of his father's presence. And the older brother, as the the younger brother was sitting in the pig pen reflecting, now the older brother is sitting in the field reflecting and saying, I can't believe this. 
Doesn't my father know? I've been a slave for him. I've done everything he's ever asked of me. I, I volunteer all the time. I read my Bible. I tithe more than everyone. Like, doesn't my father know? And then my younger brother just goes and shows up and, you know, he's been living this sinful life and everyone's excited he's back. Like, I don't understand. I never got a pat on the back. I deserve more than this. You know, my father just doesn't understand. I need more. I deserve more. And the older brother is in just as dark as place as now the younger brother. Maybe today you relate more to the older brother than the younger brother. I remember when I was, I was in youth group, again, I was a good Christian kid. And I would be in there and I would see every, you know, all the youth pastors spending all the time with all the other kids, you know, the kid, the bad kids. And I remember just sitting there in jealousy. Like, I'm the one who's here every week. Like, I'm the one who's like, you know, doing the Bible drill. Like, and you're getting coffee with the kid who is sleeping with his girlfriend? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And, and what I didn't know then, but I know now, is my heart is just as distant from the Father as all those other kids. Because what was happening is I was sitting there with entitlement. I was sitting there with comparison. I was sitting there with jealousy. And my heart was nothing like the Father. Because what I liked doing is I liked working for the Father, but I didn't like being with the Father. I was far more comfortable doing for God instead of experiencing a relationship with God. And the older brother here, feeling that he was righteous, was no different than his younger brother. And then the father continues, son, just as he called the younger brother son, he has just as much grace for the older brother and says, son, you have everything. Son, you've missed it. You're... You're in, you have my presence. You have everything I have to offer you and you have access to me. But my heart, what my heart beats for, what my mission is, is to see dead things become alive again. To see lost things become found. And, and when that happens, we celebrate. When that happens, we throw a party. Why is your heart not like my heart? Because the older brother was on the edge. He had access, but he never got to a place of saying, no, no, I have the heart of my father. I, my heart is burdened for what my father's heart is burdened for because of who's in the party. Maybe this morning you're in a place of saying, well, I would celebrate, but I don't like that person being celebrated. Man, that person hurt me, or I, I don't really like that person, or I don't really like that sin, and I don't like how God celebrates this. I don't like how we see lost things become found because I don't always like the found people. And God is saying, no, 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 you're missing it. Because you need to have your heart beat the way my heart beats. And I want to see all come to know me. And this is our big thought for the passage today, is that we need to run to the Father's party. We need to run to the Father's party. The Father is always having a party. 
Because God is in the business. God is on a search and rescue mission to see lost things become found things. And I don't know who you are in the story. Some of you are more like the younger brother, feeling so distant from God. You know you have this, this sin in your life, and you're just saying, man, I don't know if I can go back home. I, I don't know. I've lost everything. And, and God is saying, man, you just need to get to a place of surrender. Because I have so much for you. I have purpose for you and grace for you and love for you. Like, just come home. And some of you right now are more like the older brother. And you're sitting in jealousy and entitlement. And, and man, your heart is so distant from God. But what I need you to know is there's grace for both. So no matter who you are this morning, you need to know that God is willing to sit there with you. He's waiting for you. And he's looking down the road to see when you're coming home. So here's what I want to think about for a moment is, is just as the younger brother and older brother took time to reflect. They took time to look in the mirror and look at their life. The younger brother saying, man, I, I'm just so distant from God and I have so much sin in my life and man, I know that God isn't pleased with this and but maybe I just need to, to go home because I miss what I used to have. And maybe you're like the older brother. You're reflecting and your heart is so hard. And maybe in this moment, you need to reflect like the older brother. And we don't know how the older brother's story ends. But your story can end different. So here's what I want you to do just as the younger brother and the older brother reflected, maybe you need to reflect. Maybe this morning you need to take some time to look in the mirror and say, God, where am I distant from you? Where is my heart not like yours? Maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe it's an entitlement problem. But either way, there's a party going on. And God wants you at that party. So here's the, here's the challenge. On your seats is a simple invite card. There's a lost and found party happening. And, and God is saying, I got an RSVP waiting for you. And are you going to say yes? Or are you going to say no? Are you like the younger brother who's distant from God? Or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus yet. And right now, maybe you need to pray and say, man, I'm ready to circle yes, because I want to be at that worship party. I need to come home. I want to be with my dad. Or maybe today you're like that older brother and the party is happening, but you're standing on the edge of the party. You're seeing God do things around you, but you're too stubborn to experience them. You're too stubborn to enjoy them. And maybe right now you need to say, no, no, no. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I'm laying it at your feet. And I want to have a soft heart. And I want to celebrate lost people becoming found. And I want to be on the mission that you are on. I want to be on a mission to be on the invite list to help other people come to the party. I want to start praying for one. I want to start being on mission. I want to start sharing my faith. Like, I'm tired, even with people that I don't even feel like I like. No, that's a, I'm putting that aside because I just want to have your heart. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I'm going to simply end in prayer. And what I want to 
do it. If you're someone today who's saying, I'm distant from God. Either one, I used to have a vibrant faith, but now I just feel like I'm so far away from God. And man, I need to accept that RSVP. And I'm going to take a time to pray for you. But maybe today you haven't put your faith in Jesus at all. And you've been saying, I don't know if I can go home. No, Graham, you don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know the things that I have going on. Like, I don't know if I can go home. And Jesus is waiting. And he's looking. So maybe this morning, you need to get to a place just like that younger son and say, yes. The father is waiting. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And he has grace for you. And he has forgiveness for you. So if you're someone like that this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and you can kind of repeat the prayer in your mind. And again, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's that faith in Jesus that says, saves you. That I have a sin problem and my sin separates me from the Father, but I need to walk down that road and say, I'm going home. So let's pray together. Father, in this moment, I pray for all the, one, I pray for all the older brothers in the room. God, I pray for me. So often I'm far more like that older brother. And God, I pray in this moment that we will be so convicted to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to be in the business of running to the party. I want to be in the business of celebrating. And I don't care who's at the party. I just want to be in my Father's presence and I want to be in my Father's mission. So God, I pray for the room. I pray for those that have something in their life that they're holding on to resentment. They're holding on to bitterness. They're holding on to entitlement. They're holding on to jealousy. God, break us. And allow us to say yes to the RSVP. God, I pray for those that have a relationship with you, but man, they're like the younger brother right now. They happen to wander into church today. They're watching online today and they just feel so distant. They know they used to have a vibrant faith, but that it's grown distant and there's sin in their life. God, I pray today that they will get to a place of reflection. They will look in the mirror and say, I'm done. I've lost it and I want a relationship back with my father. I pray in this moment that they will surrender, that they will lay it down and they will receive the love that you have for them. And God, in this moment, I pray for those that don't know you yet and want to know you. And if you're someone in the room today, I I want you to pray something like this. God, I love you. I don't have all the answers, but I know I have this sin in my life. I don't know what to do about it. I've tried everything and I just feel stuck. But God, you went to the cross for me. You died on the cross for me. You rose again. You conquered death. And God, today, I just want to receive your love. I just want to receive your forgiveness. So if you pray a prayer like that, God, I want, there's, a, there's a party happening right now. And so God, as we're praying right now, there is a party in heaven and man, I can't wait to be at that party one day. So Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you convicted my heart through this text and I pray that those that are listening now, their heart is convicted as well. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And in your holy name,